weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on behalf of A and B and the Secretary of State for Health. And the citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 41. So in Northern Ireland, where religious beliefs continue to predominate politics, abortion is a particularly controversial and sensitive issue. Although pro-choice versus pro-life arguments are not at the centre of this case, the Supreme Court was still forced to face questions on healthcare provision and the role of devolved governments. Things began in 2012 when A, who was 15 years old at the time, became pregnant and sought an abortion with the support of her mother B. Because of the rules in Northern Ireland, they had to travel to a private clinic in Manchester and pay £900 for the abortion. A and B brought a case against the Secretary of State for Health on the basis that A is a UK citizen and should therefore be entitled to an abortion for free in England under the NHS. Before we dive into the decision, it is worth exploring the relevant pieces of legislation, and we can start with Section 1.1 of the National Health Service Act 2006, that requires the Secretary of State to promote a comprehensive health service in England that A looks after the physical and mental health of the people of England, and B, prevents, diagnoses and treats illnesses. The important thing to note at this stage is that in section 11b, there is no reference to the English population, and this distinction will prove to be important later on. Furthermore, the Secretary of State has the power under the Act, as well as under a set of 2002 regulations, to direct primary care trusts to provide abortion services to residents of the UK. As part of their judicial review, A and B argued that the failure to make such a direction was irrational and unlawful in the way that it took into account the decision by the Northern Ireland Assembly to not provide abortion services itself. Indeed, they go further and argue that under Section 3.1 of the National Health Service Act 2006, there is a duty to make such a direction. Human rights arguments also form a part of this case under Article 8, the right to private and family life, alongside Article 14, discrimination, which in this instance was relevant with respect to discrimination on the grounds of residence. Unsurprisingly, such a controversial subject produced powerful arguments on both sides, including by the judges themselves, who were split 3-2, to two, ultimately in favour of the Secretary of State. Lords Wilson, Reid and Hughes formed a majority, but there were dissenting judgments from the future President of the Court, Lady Hale, as well as Lord Kerr, who is from Northern Ireland. It was Lord Wilson who gave the lead judgment for the majority, and he began by noting Parliament's intention for the four countries in the UK, England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, to each provide health services for the people who live there. Given this regime that favours decision-making at a local level, the Secretary of State is well within their rights to respect the democratic decision of the people of Northern Ireland, as expressed by way of the Assembly at Stormont. On top of this, it is also reasonable to take account of the fact that women in Northern Ireland can travel across the Irish Sea to pay for an abortion in England. Wilson also went on to address the human rights question in his judgement. It's certainly true that the question of providing a free abortion service to women does fall within the scope of Article 8, 
And beyond that, there is undeniably a distinction between the way that English and Northern Irish women are treated. That distinction is sufficient to be considered an other status for the purpose of discrimination under Article 14. Of course, when looking at these rights, we have to remember that they are proportional, and therefore we have to balance the rights of A and B against the legitimate reasons that might be given by the Secretary of State. This is where we come back to the democratic considerations that Wilson mentioned earlier, and when we take that into account as part of the overall decision-making process, the actions taken by the Secretary of State are the least intrusive that were possible with respect to Article 8. This also means that the failure to make a direction was not discriminatory under Article 14. The main dissenting judgment came from Lord Kerr, and he led off with the point made at the very start of this episode relating to Section 11B of the National Health Service Act 2006. In other words, when we are talking about preventing, diagnosing and treating illness, the duty is not purely limited to the people of England. It might sound unusual to place abortion within one of those three categories, but Lord Kerr highlights the risks that can be involved when an unwanted pregnancy is carried to term. Indeed, there are serious concerns in terms of a woman's physical and mental health that mean abortion can fall under the prevention of illness for the purposes of Section 11b. By failing to make a direction, the Secretary of State did not understand the full scope of their duties and acted on the basis that it only extended to the people of England. Kerr also went on to address the arguments associated with respecting the democratic autonomy of the people of Northern Ireland, and pointed out a very important distinction. While the Assembly had expressed a view as regards the provision of abortion in Northern Ireland, they have not expressed a view about those women, such as A, who choose to travel to England to terminate their pregnancy. This means that if the Secretary of State had made the direction then there would have been no detrimental effect on democracy in Northern Ireland. Such a conclusion really turns this case on its head, not only in terms of the National Health Service Act 2006 and domestic legislation, but also in terms of the human rights arguments associated with this case. Essentially, once this argument about preserving democracy in Northern Ireland is taken away, there is no legitimate reason left for the interference with the right to privacy under Article 8. Beyond this, Lord Kerr does also question the validity of the argument that being overly deferential to democracy in Northern Ireland is a legitimate reason for interference with human rights anyway. In a concurring judgment, Lady Hale also took the opportunity to draw a link with the Abortion Act 1967 and held that as a result of this legislation, it is a reasonable requirement under the National Health Service Act 2006 to provide women with abortion services wherever they happen to live in the UK. In the end though, the judgments from Lord Kerr and Lady Hale were in vain as they were outnumbered by 3-2 in the majority judgment, and so the status quo was preserved. Was this the right choice, however? When trying to answer these questions, it is important to try and retain a distance from the moral or emotional element of a case. But the truth is that this is very hard, if not impossible, to do. This might only be a case that discusses the provision of abortion services in England, but in reality this gets a lot closer to the question about under what, if any circumstances, the justices would allow abortions to take place. 
Furthermore, the case poses a serious question about the legitimacy of devolved institutions compared to the power exercised by the Westminster government, a question that is particularly pertinent given the nature of politics in Ulster. Both sides are using legislation that has not been drafted in an especially precise way to give credence to their own view. For the majority, this means giving a wide berth to the idea of devolution and localisation in the health service as a legitimate reason to deny provision to women from Northern Ireland. Meanwhile, for the minority, this means taking an especially broad interpretation to the term preventing illness in the National Health Service Act 2006. The eventual split in this case is actually evidence of why such sensitive and political decisions should not ever appear before the courts in the first place. Unelected judges who are using vague language to take such important constitutional decisions raises serious questions about the way that our democracy operates. Sometimes they will make a decision that favours one side, and other times they will make a decision that favours another. Each time there will be outcry from the side that loses, but a failure to address the underlying question about the way that our society actually goes about answering these questions in the first place. In general, I am personally pro-choice and have great sympathies with the minority in this case, but this has to be matched with an understanding of the political process involved. Devolution is an important part of the UK constitution, and allows decisions to be taken at a local level, so that people have a greater investment in the decisions that affect them. If Northern Ireland wishes to change the law on abortion, then this is their prerogative, and they can do that in their own time as the society around them changes. Nevertheless, the Secretary of State also has an important range of decisions to make about healthcare provision in England, and they should not be allowed to make, or in this case not make, those decisions without interference from the courts. Our democracy is a wide variety of people making choices on behalf of the population they serve, and where the authority of such decisions is in dispute, it is right that it should be challenged in the courts. However, the courts also have to apply a certain amount of self-discipline and understand in what circumstances it is wrong for them to make a decision themselves. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast. Also, thanks to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you do get a chance, make sure to check out the website at uklawweekly.com and also rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I look forward to coming back with another episode next week, but 